This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for July 19, 2023. The NPC podcast is where we discuss and consider the purpose, process and people of the pharma industry, and today, we'll continue the healthcare conversation. This program is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Impress is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Impress tailored best-in-class solutions at www.impress.com. Our guests today are Sylvie Pilon and Ben Parry from Pangia Consultants. They will join your hosts, Jim, Mark, and Mitch. And to start today's conversation, here's Mitch Shannon, CEO of Chronicle Companies. Welcome back to the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. I'm your co-host, Mitch Shannon, coming to you once again from the gondola high above the intersection of Wood Street and Reverend Porter Lane in Toronto where the sight lines are spectacular. And you can't use the word spectacular without causing James Shea to blurt out, you rang? Jim, of course, is the general manager at the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education in Montreal. Jim, did you like the Maynard G. Krebs reference? Oh, well, let's put it this way. It comes down to this. My wife often has to talk me down because I'm creating quite the spectacle in public. So, you know, everything falls into place. But when I yell, it's usually more about being like Alfred from Batman, that type of you know, you rang. I got you. You rang. No less spectacular is the pharmaceutical industry consultant and health policy expert, Mr. Mark McElwain, who is a valued fixture here in the gondola and also a loyal fan of Maynard G. Krebs. Is that correct, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Greetings from four hours north of Toronto. You know, safe to say the only pharma podcast coming to you partly from the upper Bruce Peninsula. But, you know, up here, the most exciting thing lately is our neighbors measuring up the size of the bear tracks near the lane we all use. I'm not sure where that takes us, but the podcast, you know, maybe our podcast guests have left some big footprints, but where do they lead today? I don't know. Yikes. Don't let anything spectacular happen there. Well, we are your spectacular podcast hosts, commonly referred to as Jim, Mark, and Mitch, because all the best brand names have already been trademarked such as Planet Fitness and Museum of Illusions. Gentlemen, today's a twofer, so let's squeeze over and make room for two of our favorite people, Ben Parry and Sylvie Pilon of Pangea Consultants. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hello. Not too bad. Not too bad. So uh, I've got a question for both of you, really more of an instruction, I guess. Briefly tell our listeners a little bit more about your organization and its current vision. Sylvie first, then Ben. So as you know, at Bankea, we have, we're a team of 16 consultants and uh, we collaborate and keep each other abreast of the constantly changing environment. And we strive to meet our customers' need and provide value. We will routinely ask our client what is keeping them up at night um, and we share this information. Each year we go out to about 30 GMs and senior executives and ask them for insights and top challenges and opportunity that they foresee in the coming year. And on a yearly basis, we organize Startup and CEO Exchange, where they have a forum to discuss non-competitive issues facing uh, them as leaders for for Canadian affiliate. 
and we share and brainstorm new solutions. Uh, we are active members of our industry association, IMC and Biotech Canada. We attend and we collaborate and we sponsor and we organize many events such as this one that benefit the pharmaceutical and biotech companies and their partners. And feel free to disagree with any of that. No, oh, I think Sylvie did as well. But you know what I love about Penge is that we're a think tank. We all get along. One of the best cultures in industry. We all come from industry. So we understand industry and we love helping people get where they need to go. And that's that's really at the root of what we love and what gets us out of bed in the morning. Well, Ben, uh, put your thinking cap on here because, you know, it all comes down to, and I'm doing this with air quotes, it's all about access. Uh, you know, what are the key factors that make market access such a long haul in the healthcare industry here in Canada? And, and how are you guys helping address the challenges? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, market access, it can be a long haul, obviously in Canada. I mean, you know, there's great things happening, though. There's, you know, parallel overlapping, I say, instead of parallel health technology assessments, along with submissions that are coming down the pipe, we're starting to see some improvements in um, timelines for public access and so forth. But where we ultimately help in that long road is help understand Canada, because as an organization coming into Canada, you know, we're much like every other jurisdiction in the world. We have our nuances. And to be able to really understand the jurisdiction that you're working into, we help shorten that time frame substantially by helping people understand the landscape and the environment and really be able to position themselves properly and take what they're trying to achieve with their products and help them apply to Canadian patients and the infrastructure here in Canada. Yeah, that's right, too. We're not just a colony or a small group of people that don't know what we're doing. It's hard to explain that sometimes to people. So we all talk about collaboration and partnership all the time to, for success. So how do they play a part in achieving successful market access in Canada? Well, you know what it comes down to a lot is trust. It really does come down to trust at any negotiation table and whether you're just, you're trying to understand the supply chain in Canada, you're working with negotiating with payers, you're working with, you know, the various government agencies. A lot of it comes down to trust and you know what is that that comes down to sharing the right information bringing the right context to the table and helping people on both sides of the table understand where they're each going on their journey and that's what we do at Pangit. we try to help people understand where the journey is and help people understand each other to get where they need to go Sylvie, it's mark and i got a couple of questions for you so let's talk about the shift to an omni-channel approach to communicate with pharma customers. I wonder if you could comment on the benefits and possibly some challenges that companies can face. Yeah, I think the global pandemic really was a catalyst for change for the pharmaceutical and biotech industry, really has pushed the industry to evolve, both from a digital perspective and also in the virtual world. I think we've evolved to a multi-channel marketing approach, but we're a long way to really having a, a true omni-channel approach. Some companies are better than others at doing this, but you know, to have a real omni-channel approach, we need to have an ecosystem that changes and evolves with the customer's need. So we have to be able to connect the dots and the communication from all of the stakeholders that would meet our HCP and evolve and change as we go. So as we can communicate with our stakeholders, we need to adapt our message and provide value that the customer needs and wants. So how do we determine what channels are the best, the most effective for different types of information? Yeah, that's a good question. I have to say that most HCP right now still prefer the face-to-face -face communication. 
but some are asking for only virtual communication. So we must adapt to that. Also, the next generation of HCPs are very digitally savvy and have information at their fingertips. So developing relationship with them is a little bit more difficult. So we have to try and find and adapt our communication channel to meet their needs and to be able to, to reach them. Also, the advent of AI and chat GPT, this is a new era for our industry, and we must embrace uh, this new era and try to figure out how to use these tools, both internally and externally, to meet our customers' needs. So talking a bit more about face-to-face -face communications, I wonder if you could comment on the evolving role of the sales rep, you know, in face of the fact that the uh, there's an expanding team of company functions that also has some sort of interactions with customers, areas like the MSLs and CHE staff. So well, how's the sales rep been evolving through that process? Yeah, so the, let's talk a little bit about the primary point of contact. So the PPOX that we call it. We found through some of the benchmarking that we've done that some companies have started deploying these roles. And the majority of them right now are found on the commercial side. So they're the primary point of contact for our customer. And a few companies that are more specialized or rare disease, the primary point of contact, these PPOC models are more found on the medical side. Again, this is an ongoing effort to try and minimize the multiple customer-facing role in an era where the HCP access is becoming more and more difficult. There's also the CAM role, which right now is predominantly used in the specialty or rare disease space, but remains primarily a sales role. And the other thing that companies have started doing too is deploying regional marketers to address specific regional needs and also to adapt this multi-channel marketing effort and to better meet the customer's needs. In addition, some companies have reps that are only virtual. So these reps would help to connect the contact with the other customer-facing role. There's also some new roles in on the medical side, which roles have been developed to better coordinate the advent of, or the collection of real-world data or real-world evidence, clinical trial coordination. And some of these roles right now are seen more as junior MSLs, and sometimes they're called regional medical advisor. So for the smaller and rare disease company, maybe sometimes only MSLs would be deployed due to the complexity of the therapeutic area and a few treating physician. There's also a few roles that have evolved on the PSP side, so patient support side, either with the supplier of the PSP or with the manufacturer. Some of these roles are dedicated to the PSP, such as field case manager, patient experience manager, patient support manager. These roles are super important for the HCP, especially in a specialty or complex disease management. But importantly, some of these customer-facing roles need to be coordinated with the manufacturer's customer-facing role, which is the reps and the MSL, to better service the customer. You're listening to our powerful professional podcast pair of Parry and Pilon of Pangea, which is a 7P tongue twister here on the NPC podcast. So question for uh, Mr. Parry. Integrated health, what does it mean to you and why do you think it's important for today's healthcare landscape? Well, that's a great question, Mitch. You know what? Integrated health is all about the handoffs. We've got a lot of, I'll call it modules, systems, silos in our healthcare system. And, you know, as we watch patients go through our system every day, you can start to peel back the layers and, and you can start to see 
where there are some frustrations, there are some gaps. It doesn't mean that the system's broken. It just means that there's a real opportunity to look at all those handoff points across our system, whether it's pharmaceutical, whether it's broader healthcare system, and really make sense of how does that patient journey and all of those activities that converge to support that patient come together. And, you know, Sylvie mentioned AI. It's, it's a great example of, you know, we're starting to see some real traction on the automation of tasks through AI in technology and so forth. And it's only a matter of time that we're going to be able to really take advantage and deploy some of this to be able to create those connection points in, in our system. You know, we're, we're still very much reliant on a little bit of context, a phone call and a fax machine with a form to kind of nurture patients through the system. That's not uncommon as we, you know, get more technology in the mix. We're going to be able to start to see different ways to share information. I mean, we've been talking about e-health records for a long time and, you know, all of that integration and that, uh, that seamlessness to be able to share and support that patient throughout their journey is going to be absolutely important Yep. as we go forward. Well, uh, Ben, this is for you, uh, continuing on that and the Let's add a eighth P, you know, everybody's looking for positive outcomes. So, you know, how do you evaluate the success and impact of integrated health uh, initiatives or programs? And, and if you can, can you share an example of uh, something where you've measured and demonstrated some, some positive outcomes, whatever they might be? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know what, there's, there's a lot of great programs going on. And I think the one thing that many members of the system have recognized is that data and measurement is key really understanding the, how we're making a difference, how we're creating performance in the system. And you're seeing that across the board. I mean, everything from, you know, where people are working in trade relations within the supply chain, working on various scorecards and stats to make sure that things are stable and things are operating efficiently. We've got a great supply chain in Canada. You know, also when you're working with, you know, silly broad patient support programs, that's another great example where there's mechanisms in place to make sure that patients are getting the access that they need to support. Payers are doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're seeing new approaches with the HDA bodies in terms of how they look at data. Dare I drop the word RWE or r- real world evidence into the mix here? I mean, there's there's a lot that's going on in the system. My hope is that as we continue in this as stakeholders, we all come together and create some standardization around what that looks like. Because, you know, the hardest part about coming to the table with measurement is if everybody has a different report. Uh, and they come to the table with a different report and, and context. So a lot of it, as, as I talked about at the beginning with trust, is really going to be about how do we come together with some standardization on what it is we're trying to measure, what it is we're trying to look at, and, and how do we wrap our arms around the patient to do that. Right. So, uh, Sylvie, this one's for you. You mentioned earlier the effect of COVID. How do you think COVID's actually, or the, the pandemic's actually affected the talent pool in biopharmaceutical industry? And yeah, have you got any specific challenges that might be associated with attracting people, new talent uh, into this new normal that we're now living? Yeah, so we've learned a lot in the past year through some of our benchmarking and some of our exchange with our customers. And one of the key internal issues is definitely employee retention. So engagement and retention for company in an evolving workplace model, you know, environmental social governance issue has become a strategic imperative for all, uh, nearly all organizations of the past year. So the workforce is focused on the environment and social initiative and company that will show a strong social and environmental conscious 
with a clear purpose, they will be able to track and retain their talent. Another thing too is companies that have a strong DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and have policies and programs to promote representation across the board, they will be the companies that will retain and continue to attract talent. So, you know, companies have to walk the talk, show that diversity and inclusion is a priority, and these companies will attract and they will retain the best diverse pool of employees. Sylvie, I have another question for you. So, you know, I've wondered with the rise of remote work and virtual collaboration, how companies are ensuring effective onboarding and integration of new talent into the organization. Yeah. And, you know, flexibility and the one size does not fit all in this context. So the pandemic has really changed employees' work-life balance expectation and people manage to do their job in a virtual world, in a virtual environment. Now that we are reopening head office and, and that might be causing some angst in people and, and some people will be making some lifestyle choices. Our new generation of employees are extremely savvy and have high digital technical skill set that will help the industry evolve to the next level of digital interaction. So we need to continue to connect at a deeper level with our employees and the companies that will focus on purpose, on, on the how and the why will be the ones that win. So work-life balance continues to be important for this generation. Remote work has helped with that respect. So I think it's important that we not we don't take that away from them if we want to retain our employees. Yep. So Ben, as we wind down the podcast, we're going to invite you to play our word association game. So just go ahead and say the first thing that comes to your mind in response to the following phrases or words. Okay, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, market access. Ooh, understanding and trust. Integrated health. Getting the right handoffs. Innovation. A must. Digital transformation. Here comes AI. And sustainability. Ooh, I'm gonna say automation. Interesting. Well, uh, you know, not to judge anybody, but uh, we've been at it, giving you points for these answers. And again, I think we have a huge amount of points. So one huge for, for you and uh, great answers. Yeah, thanks for that. We're having a lot of fun. You bet. So the last question is for Sylvie. And finally, it's time for you to put on your soothsayer's hat and enter our prognostication quarter. So what bold predictions would you make about the life sciences industry in the next, uh, let's say, year or two? Well, we're up to 10 Ps there, eh, everybody? 10 now. Yeah. Prediction. <laughs> Prognostication. Prognostication, yes. I, you know, I think Ben and I quite align on this one. I think our industry needs to continue to ride the wave of innovation continue to reinvent themselves and provide value to our healthcare ecosystem. But we have to pay attention to our employee because they're our most valuable asset. Digital innovation is super important. Pharma will evolve to include more and more of these innovation at the end of the day. But it's people that make things happen and relationship with our customer trumps all. So plan, plan, plan and ride the wave of innovation. More peace with your employees. Thank you. Wow. Well, our producer, there's another P. Uh, he's going to have his hands full with the pop guard. I hope you got the P's and the syllabus all set up, Jeremy. 
Sylvie and Ben, always great to get together with you guys. Pangea has been a cornerstone resource for the pharma industry for the decades now. And it's reassuring just to know that you guys are still out there on the case. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to. Ciao. And to our listeners, thank you for your time. We will speak to you again next week. If you've got questions for Ben or Sylvie, send an email to health at chronicle.org. We want to know what you thought about today's conversation. Try sending your comment as a voice clip attachment, and, Zowie, you may become part of a future episode. We hope you enjoyed today's NPC podcast. If you did, please like it, rate it, recommend it, and make a point of sharing it with your network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or, to keep things simple, ask your smart device to play the National Pharmaceutical Congress podcast on Audible, Spotify, Amazon Music or TuneIn Radio. The NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. Check them out at www.impress.com. I'm your announcer, Leona Void, speaking. This podcast was produced by Jeremy Visser, with help from Cristela Tello-Ruiz. Research for this program came from Amy Ray Elder. The musical theme is performed with good-natured perseverance by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the direction of Maestro Syed Milbrook. We'll be back again to speak with you next week.